You're listening to the Top of the Mountain Podcast with Jimmy Pilato and Rev Coca, presented by the Variety Sports Network and D2Football.com, your home for RMAC football content. Now, to your hosts, Jimmy Pilato and Rev Coca. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, presented by both the Variety Sports Network and D2Football.com, available for your RMAC football pleasure. It is time for season two of the Top of the Mountain podcast. New faces join us this season. We are ready for a new year of football. We had one team go all the way to the semifinals out of this conference last year, so it's obviously worth talking about, and we are so glad that you are all back here joining us. Myself, Jimmy Pilato, and new co-host, former RMAC offensive lineman as well at Western Colorado from 2015 to 2020. I hope I got that right. Uh, Rev the Problem Coca is joining me this season. He'll be our he'll be the second opinion. So it's not just all. I'm not going to be the only one that's blowing Western's tires here uh, during this season. I guess we can say it that. But Rev, thank you for coming on this season, and I can't wait. This is going to be. Uh, a jam-packed, hopefully it's as much fun as it was covering the the RMAC last year because the teams were beating each other up. We had some new teams up in the conference title picture, and this year looks to be a lot of the same, and we might even have a return to uh, the top three from one of these programs. So it's going to be a fun season. Are you, are you as excited as I am, Riff? Well, first of all, let me say that I'm just happy to be here, you know, chatting it up with a fellow Western offensive lineman here. So, yeah, I'm definitely excited. When it comes to representation, you want to see teams from your conference do well, not just in the regular season, but also make postseason pushes. So seeing the RMAC make good runs and Colorado Mines making it to the semifinals and Western, even though they lost in the first round, being compet- having a competitive game and it went down to the wire. So you just want to see that representation of, conf- of conference play, not only within, but also showing showing themselves well and proving their worth on a national level. So it was definitely exciting to see that, you know, some local teams in our area actually do good on a national level. So I'm excited to see a repeat of that. As for this podcast, yeah, technically it's going to be an RMAC, but we're both Western offensive linemen here. So at this point, you know, if you, you might want to tune out if you, if you don't like our Western bias, because we're going to be very biased here. Flat out. Yeah, it's a good good to start that off. I started off, if you read my columns on d2football.com, which you can read every Thursday, I said that at the beginning of the season for all my new readers. Uh, I am a Western graduate, so it's very difficult for me to take that off the table. I'm also the son of a Western graduate, so not only is it my bias, I also have to carry my family bias, and then Rev obviously was there for a long time, and when you put in so much effort in one place, that's going to be who you hope to root for. Um, I was... It was funny when I was getting asked if I was coming back for this season at D2 football, um, Brandon, the, the run, the guy who founded the website goes, I honestly, it'd be at this, it'd be at a detriment if you didn't come back after the season Western had for your inaugural, um, you know, football, football year riding with us. So it was obviously really cool to see that happen. Really cool to see mines. I played with uh, Gabe Ports, who was their senior linebacker, fortunately got injured in their semifinal game against Valdosta. Uh, but also it's cool to see guys that you competed against. We played, you and I played Michael Zeman and John Matoka three times, and they're still in college. We're both now two years postgraduate, but they're still 
grinding hard, getting getting their uh, schoolwork done. And yeah, we're, we'll talk a little bit. We'll mention some of the games, some of the scores that we're able to find. Most of the RMAC is actually playing Thursday when we're recording this. Uh, we will have two games of the week, just like last uh, last year's first episode. And those will be CSU Pueblo at Midwestern State and then also Western Colorado heading to Texas as well. They're playing West Texas A&M. Uh, but the games going on tonight, we have South Dakota Mines at Missouri S&T. Uh, Colorado Mines is currently playing Grand Valley State out of the GLIAC. That's a top five matchup in Division II football, number five versus number three. Uh, Eastern Mexico is taking on New Mexico Highlands. Black Hills State and Dickinson State are playing right now. Colorado Mesa is playing William Jewell and Shadron is getting their rematch against Angelo State, which is going to be interesting because last year in week one, Shadron had a 14-point lead over Angelo State going into the third quarter, and much like the rest of their season, ended up blowing that lead, and uh, it was just a lack of focus. So it'll be interesting. We'll talk a little bit more about those games. You'll be able to read more about those games next week after they're concluded, but we will have two games of the week to talk about. Before we do, wanted to mention we are presented by D2Football.com as well as the Variety Sports Network. Uh, if you listen to my other podcast, The Far End of the Bench, which Rev has been a guest on and is basically our resident MMA analyst that we bring on when there's a big fight coming up, uh, you know that we are very proud members of the Variety Sports Network. And with that, we get a cool affiliation with a few different companies, the first one being Row One Brand which is a sports memorabilia website, rowonebrand.com, at the cool stub on, in, on Twitter. Uh, if you use code VSP15, you get 15% off anything in the art gallery when you go to rowonebrand.com. Uh, that's rowonebrand.com, proud affiliate of the Variety Sports Network and the Top of the Mountain podcast. Kicking things off on the 2022 season, Rev, I, I think we should... First, go back and, and look back at the season that was. We mentioned Western making the playoffs, losing in the first round to Nebraska Kearney on the very last play of the game, came down to the absolute wire there. And then Colorado Mines uh, making a run to the semis, ending up three points shy of making it out to play Ferris State, which now looking back on it, probably a blessing in disguise that they didn't have to play Ferris State with what they did to Valdosta and um, that quarterback just having an absolute unreal season. Uh, what did you think of Western? Obviously, that wasn't the type of season that we experienced when we were both players there, but it was nice to see uh, the boys out in Gunnison get things together, and it's paying off for them. They're going to be playing in the soccer stadium, unfortunately, because they're getting a new turf field down in the bowl. Uh, but what did you think of Western's 2021 season, Rev? Um, I got to feel just happy for the kids and the coaching staff over there especially when you consider how hard it is just to get people out there for recruiting. It's a very cold place. You know, not a lot of people are going to want to go out to winters where it's constantly in the negatives and where, you know, it's a very small kind of secret town. It's a great town, you know, I got my bias in, but it's a secret little town where it's always cold in the winter and there's deers roaming around the streets and, in that environment, it's going to be hard to pull recruits. So having a season as successful as 2021 just shows that, you know, it doesn't matter how good or how great the environment is around hand. If you got a full team full of people willing to commit and buy in. And when you have a coaching staff and the players on the same page, which wasn't always the case in some of our losing years, when the coach and the team is on the same page, you can actually achieve and accomplish things. So it's definitely good to see you know, our former school and their hard work actually amount to something. So 
it's good to see it also for the recruiting push in the future to get more people to come to the school. Yeah, it was the first time since 2000 that they had won more than seven games in a season. We were we were part of that seven win season when Eckler was a senior. That was previous their best record since 2000. It's also been since 2000 since uh, they've made the playoffs. And I believe 1990, probably 91 since they hosted a playoff game. So all of those came, all of those streaks came to an end at the end of last season, but going into it, especially after the 2020 game against uh, Stephen F. Austin, I don't know if you watched that game. We were both, that was after both of us were done and and post pandemic teams were trying to come back. Uh, that one did not go as planned to say the least. If so going in that one game, that was, yeah. yeah that and was I, I think Stephen F. Austin had a tough time putting that one on their record too, but they had to, because you only get so many shots in the COVID shortened season. So they made sure that it counted. Uh, going into last season, did you have the expectation that Western was going to be able to do what they did? Because I know I said it on in my columns, I said it on this show, that this was all out of nowhere. And every single week, it seemed like I was saying, well, if Western can stay consistent, they look to be on the right path. But it, it had never been able to get to the point where they were staying consistent. Did you have that kind of expectation for them? It was a, a surprise to you, too. I was definitely expecting something like a season in 2019 where things were going in the right direction and we are five and six, not quite 500, but you see signs of life in a competitive nature where you see players show potential, but you didn't, I really didn't think that it was going to come together like that. But when you have two All-American forces on defense where you can really rally behind that. Sometimes the offense might show up, but when you know you got defensive players that are going to live in the other team's backfield all game, that can definitely help with things. So being able to rally around those couple of stars definitely helps. So I definitely, I didn't expect them to do what they did last year, but I, I was happy they're able to rally around, you know, the star talent of, you know, with Will Lido and Lane Ferris and kind of rally from there and really, hone their identity around that tough defensive identity and I hope that continues that they keep and sustain a certain identity to build that culture hang on to next year so it was a surprise but now that they're here I hope they build on from that it was really cool too because yes you had the Lane Ferris's and the Will Lytles who took the year off for, during COVID and came back to experience one last run with the boys and they ended up having great seasons with both of them but also guys like Wyatt Burr and uh, Robbie Garlock were stepping up, guys that we were young guys when we were there in the locker room, um, and they're both they're all stepping up now. So yes, it's it's difficult, and it's always difficult to replace, especially uh, Will Lytle being a possible NFL or professional recruit at some point. I, if he if he's not going to get picked up, I don't think he got picked up by a team in the NFL. But there's the XFL and all these other leagues that he's going to get shots in. Uh, it's good to see that they do have the young pipeline there as well. And I think the recruiting class from what I was able to gather was better than it had been. It's always nice when you're, when you have a ring ceremony, I mean, it's a co-championship, but for as much mud that Western was rolling through, I think a co-championship is going to feel just as good as a, a full championship. But now hopefully I, I agree with you. I'm hoping that we can see something similar. Uh, are my expectations as high as another nine and two, 10 and two season? Uh, it might be a little bit of a stretch. But I do think that they can be competitive, and I do think that they could be in the mix for a conference title or at least a share of the conference title again. Um, and then real quickly, before we get into our first game of the week for the 2021 season, Colorado Mines, 
their most historic season in school history as well, going all the way to the semifinals. Um, did you, did you, I know that we don't root for Colorado Mines because it's one of the bigger rivalries in the RMAC. It's the oldest rivalry in college football in Colorado, but were you at least, was it, uh, were you rooting for the RMAC through the proxy of Colorado School Mines when they were in the playoffs, especially in the quarterfinals against Angelo State and then the semis against Valdosta? Yeah, like once your team gets knocked out, it's almost like every team from like a conference or division kind of just like rallies together. Well, I can't speak for everyone. You know, some people are just going to have that bitter old-fashioned hate no matter what. But for me, kind of, I kind of just think think of it as rallying together. You know, it's a team from the region who's representing that part of that part of the country. So once that part came together, it was definitely you know, you, you kind of have to, at least from my perspective, root for Colorado Mines to achieve and really put the RMAC out there as a competitive conference. So, yeah, it may not be Western, but they're representing the conference that Western plays in. So you have to root for them to put that reputation out there. Yeah, I was on, I was in that same boat. I thought that it was, even though it's a rivalry and yes, it's, it's a big rivalry. It doesn't mean that you couldn't, be proud of the fact that it was a Colorado school. Uh, Golden is actually closer to my home, my house, and I know it's closer to your house as well than Gunnison was. So having playoff football at the Division II level just right down the street was really cool. I didn't end up getting to go to the playoff game. I think I had a game of, of my own that I was coaching, but my dad and my sister went out there and got to see uh, our good friend Gabe Courts play in person. So that was one of the cool parts. But it I can hate Colorado Mines, but I can also respect the fact that they were the ones that actually got there. We've been talking about ever since CSU Pueblo won the national title, and that's the last one that the RMAC has gotten. Nobody's really came all that close. Uh, I think the next closest anybody got was the second round of the playoffs, and that was a loss. And then Mines broke through that barrier. They broke through their own barrier, not being able to make it to the semis for all these years, and then all the way down three points away from ending up in the national championship game is nothing to hang your head about, even though uh, when we talk about it, uh, tonight is not going the way that uh, or diggers fans hoped it would uh, right now. They are trailing. It looks, looks like it's going to be 10, 10 point, 17, seven about midway through the third quarter. So it's not over, but it is definitely, uh, this was going to be their biggest test of the season up until they get into the Colorado Mesas, the Colorado uh, CSU Pueblos, the Western Colorado's, this was going to be their biggest test, but let's talk first. Our first game of the week. It's the uh, 5 p.m. slot Mountain Standard Time on Saturday evening. CSU Pueblo, the Thunder Wolves, trying to bounce back after a disappointing six and five finish from 2021, taking on Midwestern State out of Texas, Wichita Falls, Texas. Uh, my parents will be in attendance because my brother is traveling with the team uh, for the Thunder Wolves. This is an interesting matchup because both schools technically had disappointing seasons. Midwestern State finished 7-3 and three in the Lone Star, but that wasn't even good enough for them to make the playoffs last season. CSU Pueblo, we know what happened. Surprise upset loss to New Mexico Highlands, two tough early losses to Texas A&M Kingsville and uh, Grand Valley State. So it's not bad that you lost your first two out of your first four, but it also didn't help them any uh, really struggled on offense. Quarterback still, quarterback position still kind of up in the air. Stephen Kroll, I believe, is going to be getting the start this weekend. 
uh, just because the transfer quarterback that they brought in doesn't quite have a handle on on the full playbook. But it, it's a it's a short leash from what I'm hearing with my sources out there in Pueblo. Um, and this game is going to be I, I predicted a seven point loss for CSU Pueblo. I don't I don't know if you had a chance to read my my column, Rev, but I gave it 17 10 in favor of of Midwestern State, mainly because I think Pueblo's defense they're going to be talented enough to keep this thing close. But there's going to be somewhere where Pueblo is going to make some kind of mistake, just like they get, did last year against Texas A&M Kingsville. I don't think that the Kingsville offense scored the game-winning touchdown. It ended up being in a 12-6 game week one last year, and I could see something similar to, to this point happening. So I think it's going to be 17-10. That's my prediction for this first game of the week. Uh, what are you expecting out of CSU Pueblo for this week and then also kind of uh, an outlook for the the season? Do you think that they're going to be able to bounce back and get – because they were supposed to win the conference for the last three years. Do you think they get back to that spot? You're on mute, Rev. So, okay, so 6-5 and five being the record of CSU Pueblo last year, being a down year when that would be like – an up year for a team like South Dakota Mines definitely shows the culture that Pueblo has had over the years. As for this year, you could always guarantee that they're going to have a rough, you know, they're going to have a sturdy defense. They're going to have that three-man front with a big physical nose tackle in the middle like they always do. And they're just going to be physical, hard to run on, hard to score on. Whereas with the offense, they kind of have this quarterback by committee, depending on who has a hot hand. And you never really know exactly who the starter is going to be. So I kind of agree with your prediction. I haven't really looked as to like who I really think is going to win, but Pueblo being one of the better representatives of the RMAC and Midwestern being one of the better representatives of, in the Lone Star. And that's kind of having that RMAC versus you know, Lone Star showed out with these few games here and there. It's going to be exciting to see, but I I'm, I agree with you at the very least that with Pueblo's defense being as physical and hard to score on as they are and having the depth that they always seem to have, just rolling out these factories of one defensive lineman leaves the next year, some guy you've never heard of is productive. Just kind of having that factory of depth on the defensive side, it's going to be a low-scoring, close game. So I can agree with you there. It's it's a case of CSU Pueblo being good enough to not get embarrassed, and they, they know that they represent the RMAC in these games that are out of conference. But it's also they're not giving themselves any breaks with their scheduling. Last year they started with Kingsville and Grand Valley in weeks one and two, and then this season they play uh, Midwestern week one. They're going to turn around and play Grand Valley, who looks like they're going to be able to pick up a win over Colorado Mines. Uh, so far early on in that game. And then afterwards they got to turn around and they're going to go to Gunnison to play Western and they're going to go to um, Colorado mines. They're going to play Colorado mines in that first month of the season. So they play three teams that were in the playoffs last year. Uh, plus Midwestern state. There, there is no cupcakes on this schedule. Coach Riston is testing his boys early and it, it, it's a gamble that you, you were willing to take because if it pays off, this is where you get the higher seeding when you do make the playoffs at the end of the season. But if you're not able to win these big games early on in the season, you lose your shot at the playoffs like that. And that was what Thunderwolves ran into. I really don't think that they lose like they did to Western. They don't lose like they did to New Mexico Highlands if they weren't already out of the playoffs slash conference title picture. They're, they're a team that needs to have something to play for. And the way that they set their schedule up, it's really easy to not have much to play for after three weeks. 
but it's also a schedule that you have to give them a hand for. So you look at that six and five record last year, it's a six and five record, perhaps with an asterisk because certain certain other teams may pad up their records against cupcakes or matchups that you see on schedule and say, okay, that's a wash. But CSU Pueblo, with those few non-conference games that they get every year, they're going to match up tough. They're going to look to play some of the better teams and teams with playoff experience and players with playoff experience on their teams just to see where they're at. So if they come out alive, it'll definitely look good and it can have good seating heading into the playoffs. But this could very well be another season where they're floating around that seven and four line because just of how much they tested themselves non-conference. It's always their goal is to always win all of their conference games. And I think up until last season, they kind of had that confidence that they always would. Uh, I didn't think that they were anything special in 2019 and Western probably really should have beat them in the season finale that year. But for whatever reason, Pueblo holds some kind of Jedi mind trick over most of the teams in the RMAC. And I was shattered when they got upset against the Mexico Highlands. I was not expecting that. Highlands did play the better teams in the conference well last year, but there was there was no excuse for Coach Riston on, on that one. You kind of just have to take that bad loss on the chin. Hopefully, they're able to turn things around. If they don't get it figured out this weekend, they got to turn right back around next weekend when they're playing Grand Valley. I will be at that game in person, so I'll have a little bit better of an idea um, for the third week of this podcast. But for now, all I'm hearing is it's going to be interesting on offense. The defense should be able to keep this thing close. And Pueblo is going to have the pride to try and keep this thing close. But is Midwestern finally ready to take that next step? And if they really want to get into the playoffs with the, the seasons that they've been able to have, this would be huge for them to get going on their record. So I do see Midwestern coming out on top. Unfortunately, the RMAC takes a loss in that matchup against the Lone Star Conference. Um, other words, otherwise, outside of that, it is going to be a good game, and it is good to test your team. I, I agree with you. If you put their your easy games and your out-of-conference schedule. We saw what happened to Western, where I don't think they're necessarily ready for the playoff matchup that they got in Nebraska Kearney. Nebraska Kearney had a little bit more talent than anything that they had seen outside of the top teams in the RMAC, and it hurt them um, in the end of that game. So this will be good for Pueblo if they're able to overcome that challenge, but it is going to be a big challenge. And uh, before we move on to our next game of the week, because remember we're bringing you two, and then we'll wrap things up talking about the preseason standings and where we think each team might be able to fit towards the end of the 2022 season. We are also brought to you by Triple A's Treats. Triple A's Treats, you can find them on Facebook. Great custom cakes out of the Midwest. I believe they're based in Missouri. Like most of the Variety Sports Network, you get 10% off your order when you mention Variety Sports Network at all. So that's a, an awesome deal. You can get a custom cake made for a birthday party. Uh, I don't know if anybody has Labor Day parties, but if you do, you can get a Labor Day cake made, anything like that. Triple A's Treats, mention Variety Sports Network, you get 10% off your order. Um, and now we get to move to what I think we were both waiting to talk about. Uh, we called an audible. It was going to be Colorado Mines versus Grand Valley. But like I said, I didn't realize that they would start almost the entire RMAC on Thursday instead of Saturday. We're calling an audible. Um, Western Colorado, number 15 in the country, according to D2Football.com. Traveling to West Texas A&M, so going all the way out there. They're playing 6 p.m. under the lights, something that Western's not necessarily the most well-versed at. This is going to be, even the, the kids that have been there for a while, this is going to be one of the bigger atmospheres 
that they've ever experienced in their entire college career. West Texas, another team last year, a little bit down in the Lone Star, didn't make the playoffs like they had been in the in the past, had a tough game against Colorado Mines. They're always, you're never going to go out and play a team from Texas and not have a, just an abundance of athletes and abundance of wealth because you get a lot of the bounce backs from the D1 schools. There's so many different colleges in Texas that you can throw a stone, especially in this part of Texas in the Lone Star Conference and probably hit at least uh, a mid-level uh, NFL caliber talent. So West Texas is going to be a challenge. Western's now carrying a national ranking. My first question, Rev, do you think that national ranking next to their name is going to intimidate the players on Western, just having to carry that little bit of extra gravitas now that they are nationally ranked and nationally recognized? You're not sneaking up on anybody anymore. With how confident I am with this coaching staff and what they showed last season, I don't think this is going to be some type of shock factor. They know what they're getting into. They're going to be tough. They're going to be feisty. When you look at the culture that Coach Baines has instilled into this team and everything on everything that and how the staff, you know, coaches them, just the blue collar mentality that you get just you know, playing in Gunnison. I don't think they're going to, they're going to be shell shock going up against another top team because they show that they belong in the game that's against Kearney and the games against Colorado School of Mines. And sure, they may not be the top end talent that you saw on defense last year, but with the offensive experience, I think that's going to be something different this year. Whereas some of the more recent years, Western has been more of a team that has leaned on his defense. But I think with this year, with the offensive experience, of course, with Connor Dash and Josh Cummings in the backfield and the team that they got there with Clayton Martin leading the charge on the offensive line, I just think it's going to be a bit of a change seeing the offense kind of carry a little bit more of the workload. But I don't think they're going to be surprised or they're going to be shell-shocked at all going against a top team because the games that they showed last year, they showed that they could go blow for blow, and they didn't bat down at all. Yeah, they did have a lot of tough, difficult matchups. They were right in that game up against Colorado Mines, and if not for a silly mistake where uh, you end up losing the ball in a situation that you can't lose the football in, they probably had a, a really good shot at closing that thing out and getting the win over Colorado Mines. And then we're talking about Western as the outright 2021 RBAC champions that are co-champions. Either way, it's still better than they've ever thought. I agree with you. And I think that's what I said on the, the D2 football video going over the rankings for the preseason. It's not like Western, it's going to be difficult to replace the players that they have to replace. But now I agree with you. You have Cummings in the backfield. Davon Butler, I mean, that's another young kid that was just showing up when we were both finishing up our time there. And he is, he's difficult to tackle for as much as I thought he was going to struggle being as little as he is. He's difficult to tackle. And when he gets into open space, he made a lot of teams pay last year. So they have the one, two punch in the running in the backfield. Ty Emsley's coming back at receiver. You got experience there. Uh, Connor Desch is now a third year starter. I think he's played the most games for Western since Brett Aravey. So this is going to be huge for him. Um, and yeah, the offensive line was one of the big reasons why they were able to push themselves way past anybody's expectations. So all of those things are pointing to a, a nice comeback season for Western. It is just going to be a little bit different going up underneath the bright lights. And I think that they're going to have more people in the stands. This is obviously going to be the most people that they see uh in general throughout the rest of the season because I think West Texas has the biggest stadium 
that they'll play against, but they're going to have to play their home games in the soccer stadium, which is a 500 person capacity. So there are other factors that are going into all of this stuff. Um, Western should be well though, and, and they should be able to stand up West Texas. Like I said, a very historical program, a program that carries a lot of uh, respect, especially in the Division II world. And I do think that they're going to have a lot of talent. I don't know much specifically about them. Uh, it's difficult to it's difficult enough to find content about the RMAC that I can try and relate to all of our listeners. But trying to find stuff on other D two football conferences when you're not living in that state is a little bit difficult as well. That's why D2Football.com is great. I do know a little bit about the Midwestern states and the West Texas A&Ms. Uh, I don't know as much as I would like to know, that's for sure. So, Rev, what's your prediction for this game? I'll I'll go through what I put in the column um, at the end after you make your prediction. But what are, you see, what are you thinking on Saturday? What do you think Western has in store for the West Texas A&M Buffaloes? Kind of piggybacking off of what you said earlier, it could be a lot harder to follow some of those teams from coast to coast, from conference to conference, but it definitely does help being from a place like Texas to have that pipeline, like especially when it comes to Division II level, being from the state of Texas, just naturally you have a pipeline right there, like you said, with bounce backs and JUCOs and people from the area who maybe didn't have the grades to get into a D1 and then years later they get into a Division II to prove themselves. And so naturally you could see that team like Midwestern State is just going to have a lot, a lot of good depth and athleticism, being able to recruit from that area. The football environment in Texas is definitely going to be one that's interesting with the crowd and how Western responds. So maybe that alone could be a, a lot of an obstacle or too much of an obstacle for Western to hurdle over because of that environment and going on the road. But I don't expect Weston at all to be in a situation at all this year where they're getting blown out by anybody. Like this is a never say die team. I saw that last year, even in the games that they lost. So no matter where they are, whether they're at home in that small capacity soccer stadium or whether they're on the road, they're going to play teams tough because I think they have enough on offense and they may not have the upside on defense when it comes to the top end talent, but they have guys rotating in and out. They have Anthony Johnston, who was the defensive newcomer of the year. And there's always a rotations of people like Wyatt Burr and like, like who you mentioned before, who were scout team players who built their way up into the rotation and then Trevor readers and people like that. So I think with the rotation that they have on defense and the experience that they've now developed on offense, they're just not going to get blown up by anybody, but the road, the road game against Midwest, it might be a tough hurdle. Yeah, I do. I think it's going to be difficult as well. The score that I put in my prediction in the column, I have Western winning 28-24. And the reason I have that is because those losses, the, there's enough of the team that's been around for the really bad down years that this team does. It's not enough just to love winning. It's you got to hate to lose. So I think this team still has that mindset that they do hate to lose with the experience that most of these guys have, especially on the offensive side of the ball, not being successful or being able to carry the team. Uh, we all remember the years. We don't have to rehash all of that kind of stuff. This is a, a case where you had two games you shouldn't have lost last season. You know that you shouldn't have lost them. And you can actually say to yourself now, if we if we play a full game all season, we're probably into the quarterfinals and who knows what happens. And we're 
champions of our conference. Um, so I do think that they're going to come out. They're going to have the experience. They're going to not fumble, uh, fumble a chance away to get a big win early on this year. So I do think they're going to come away. It's going to be close. I don't think that they're going to be able to pull away much from West Texas. I may be wrong, um, but I do think once they get this lead, they'll be able to hold on to it. Might not be the prettiest down the stretch, but as long as you can hold on to a lead at some point of this game, I think Western will have it in the in their capabilities to be able to finish. So I'm giving them a 28-24 win in week one over West Texas A&M. Uh, I get it. I picked CSU Pueblo to take a, a seven-point loss to Midwestern State. Uh, real quick, before we talk about the standings, let's, I have all of the, the stats and scores pulled up for the games that started. So I'll read these off real quick, Rev, and then whichever one stands out the most, you can uh, you can reiterate. But right now, start of the fourth quarter, Bynes just scored again. So that's the, that game is now two-point game. 17-15, Grand Valley is out in front. There's 13-27 left in the fourth quarter. Uh, Mine just got a touchdown and then also converted on the um, two-point conversion there. So they're now only down by two, 17-15. The other games that are going on, South Dakota Mines is blowing out Missouri S&T 43-13. There's 10-02 in the fourth quarter left in that game at the time we're recording this. Uh, let's see, Eastern Eastern New Mexico is beating New Mexico Highlands 10-3 at the end of the third quarter, just about to start the fourth quarter in Las Vegas, New Mexico. Uh, Dickinson State and Black Hills are tied 0-0 going to start the second quarter. That one looks like it's going to be a, a hell of a barn burner. And then Mesa is up currently 28 to seven at halftime over William Jewell. And I think, yeah, it's not giving me the, the stats for the Angelo State Shadron game, but we'll have an update for you all next week when we do have the actual final results. So any of those scores stand out? Are you surprised Mines was able to uh, get themselves back into, into that Grand Valley game as much as they were? Well, with the offensive firepower that they carry and just with the overall combined experience that you have just in that backfield alone, you can expect Mines to score points in a hurry. You know, those people are in the preseason accolade or in the preseason rankings and up for the Harlan Hill Award for a reason. So if they're going to do anything, you can rely on Mines to score points in a hurry. So, yeah, it may not be high scoring, but. They're back in this game. That's not very surprising. As for South Dakota Mines, interesting to see if this is actually the start of something or they're just feasting on weaker competition because this Missouri S&T team, I don't follow them or keep tabs on them all the time, but I believe a few years ago, back when we may have had a coach go over to that program, um, their team did not do so well and finished in the bottom of Division Two. So yeah. I don't know yeah, if it's a sign of Mines a... being good or just weak competition. They're a NAIA school now, actually. So they're NAIA. And last season, uh, South Dakota Mines won, but it was 24-21. And they gave up 21 points in the fourth quarter and almost blow that lead. So I don't think that it's – I would just completely wash this game out for South Dakota Mines. I don't think it's the start of anything. I don't even know if we can really take too much away from it. It's just Missouri S&T is not a football school. And Definitely not a Division II football school. That's all. That's all I'm going to say about that one. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I kind of figured there, but hey, you said Mesa's up big too, so yeah, Mesa yeah, had that be... weird. They had that weird 2019 year where they like they kind of took a back step, and then 2021 was a better year, more on the right foot, kind of back to where they were when they had those years of being 
you know, the cream of the crop of the R Mac. So I was, I'd like to see where they're at. They finished fourth place in the preseason rankings, but, you know, I know they're going to be chomping at the bits to get the recognition and respect back that they had back around 2017. Yeah, they were actually, they it was, when they played Western last season, when they went into Gunnison, I believe it was 23 versus 25 at that point, nationally ra- national rankings. Uh, and they were in the mix for winning an RMAC championship. But then when Western beat them, they got knocked out of the three-way tie. It was them, Mines, and Western all tied with one conference loss. And then I think it was six and one at that point of the season. But Western ended up beating them. So that's that's what knocked Mesa out of the conference championship picture last year. They're doing what they should be doing. They should be – they beat William Jewell last year, I think, 43-7 to seven week one. They should be getting close around that total as well. And it's only halftime. Uh, that was definitely a scheduling uh, – that was like a tune-up scheduling. Most of the, the rest of the league did a tune-up scheduling. Uh, real quick before we get into the we'll, – we'll talk about the preseason rankings here. Wanted to mention, once again, Variety Sports Network and Division Two Football Proud uh, – sponsors that's that's what presents this top of the mountain podcast week one of the 2022 season with myself jimmy plato and rev coca talking a lot about division two football here in the rocky mountain athletic conference uh preseason rankings so we mentioned that most of the conference is playing their first games now we just went through the scores that are happening live as we're recording this thursday night we've given you our predictions for the two games of the week uh we need to look at these preseason rankings there is a little bit I'd say one surprise, everything else is pretty much what we expected. Um, but we'll start from the bottom, then we'll work our way to the top. At 10th, winning zero games last season and also giving up the most points that I think I've ever seen a team actually give up for an entire year. Fort Lewis Skyhawks come in ranked number 10. Uh, they had 11 points in this preseason voting poll. Following right behind them, Adams' only win came against Fort Lewis last season. Uh, that was a difficult one. I said I try and give everyone a game of the week. I waited specifically until Adams played Fort Lewis because I was like, this is the one chance that both of these teams have to actually get a win on the season. And whoever doesn't mess up uh, less will will get that win. And it was Adams State. And then New Mexico Highlands, uh, preseason ranked number eight, and then Black Hills at seven. So those bottom four, Fort Lewis, Adams, New Mexico Highlands, and then Black Hills, uh, pretty regular regular participants at that level of the conference. What did you say? Yeah, I would say so. Kind of just looking at the situation, there's not enough, I mean, there's not enough continuity at New Mexico Highlands to know what to expect. So every once in a while, they might have a year where they look respectable, but it's hard to build on it when you're constantly trying in JUCOs in and out. Same goes with Adam State. One thing you can guarantee with them is they're going to score. They're going to have trouble defending anybody, but they will put up points. You can at least guarantee that. And yeah, Fort Lewis lately has looked lifeless. From what I understand, they got a new coaching staff. So maybe that brings new life and maybe they can move up some slots. But lately they haven't shown much, much life at all. And Black Hills, they've just kind of been, you know, they fought hard certain years. 2016, I remember, was a successful year. But for the most part, it's just been a team that lacks a firepower to compete against the better RMAC teams. That's one of the biggest wastes of money that I can remember in the conference because they put in so much to their facilities. We've eaten in on their cafeteria. Their campus is beautiful up there in South Dakota, but for whatever reason, ever since they 
become a Division II football school. It, I remember when they were recruiting me in high school, they were coming off a one in 10 season and trying to tell me that I wasn't good enough to play for them. So there must be some issue with between the coaching staff, the boosters. They're putting in money so that they should be good, but Black Hills still hasn't been able to take that next step. So I agree with you there. Uh, middle part of the preseason ranking, South Dakota Mines at six. They had 40 points in the preseason voting. Shadron at five. Mesa at four. And then Western came in at number three. Um, surprising that Western wasn't a little bit higher. I find that a little disrespectful. I know you probably do as well. We'll talk about who ended up being in front of them. But I wanted to talk a little bit about South Dakota Mines because we, it was 2016 when South Dakota Mines and Black Hills were both entered into the RMAC. And since then, South Dakota Mines has basically been about six and five or five and six every single season. They have games where they play. Uh, I remember when they played Dixie State and it was like 48, 41. And you're thinking, how can anybody stop this offense, even though their defense can't win? Uh, and then they go out and they're playing us that season, that same season. And I think Eckler had three touchdowns before the end of the first quarter and was taken out. So they're never really consistent. And I find, like we were talking about with their game that they're playing now against Missouri S&T, they are more than happy beating up on a team if they think that they're worse than they are. But if they're playing anybody that they might have some sort of doubt in their mind whether they're better, South Dakota Mines is going to fold. And they fold faster than a, a cheap card table most times. Yeah, I remember watching some of those South Dakota Mines games versus Mesa where they might get Get up, get up on them very big at the beginning of the game and then let Mesa back in or games where they look good against these or they look good against decent competition, but then they go up against the upper echelon and get handled. Like South Dakota Mines has always been kind of one of those teams where it's hard to get a beat on. It's not going to make sense, but somehow or some way they're going to end up with five or six wins on the season. Like you said, it's not going to make sense, but they're going to get there right in the middle, which is where they should be, I think. So same with Shadron. I thought Shadron had a chance. They were picked third in the preseason rankings last year, but like I mentioned, they blew, I think, three or four, 14-point leads in the second half, and that's why they find themselves now at five. They have the talent, and they have the ability to, I think, be in the top three of the RMAC. I don't know if they have the talent to necessarily win it. Uh, it would be nice to see them be successful, but so far that's where I see Shadron kind of sticking around and then Mesa, uh, if they prove themselves, they could be right back up in the top three, top two. Um, top two, we'll go over those two rankings now. It's CSU Pueblo picked number two. They had 70 points, four more than Western. Um, and then number one, Colorado School of Mines. They obviously had finished with 81 points and as returning representatives of the semifinals in Division Two football, makes sense that the ore diggers replaced number one. But CSU Pueblo being two, especially after the season they had last year. What are you, what are you thinking went into that rationale, and why are they ahead of Western instead of the other way around? Well, they're looking at more of the reputation here. Pueblo, you could rely on Pueblo having good depth from year to year. They might lose a player, but they do a good job returning uh, returning people that they have for the people that they leave. 
or for the people that leave, it's a good next man up system, especially for their defense, which no matter what, they always just seem to be able to rely on it to get them wins, even if they're not always having a lights out offense. So when you look at Western, who's losing two All-American level defensive players compared to CSU Pueblo losing to who they lose, I think in the preseason polls, you're looking at, you're looking at the RMAC and the people who are voting, wondering who can they rely on to consistently turn out good players year in and year out? If they lose that one year, who's going to be able to come in and have players step up and perform at an adequate level? And over the past 10 years, you got to say CSU Pueblo. So both teams are losing depth, but I think the voters have more confidence in Pueblo, bringing in new people that are more competent. All I'm hoping for is that the third place in the preseason poll doesn't have some sort of curse behind it if western is somewhat consistent like i said i don't know if i'm expecting another two loss season but if they can be up around uh eight and three nine and two then they would i feel like that at that point they would have solidified themselves and gotten the stink of the 20 plus years prior to last season finally off of them and off of that program uh, a lot of people don't know i know you and i are familiar they were very close up until the Alumni Association was founded, they were close to possibly cutting football at Western Colorado. And now through all the name changes, through all of the other stuff, through all of the coaches, the bad seasons, they're here. They're ranked third in the preseason polls. So again, the top three, Western coming in at number three, CSU Pueblo at number two, Colorado Mines, your preseason pick as the number one team in the RMAC. Uh, well, that was a, I feel, I feel like that was a solid F, Rev. What did you think of your, your first top of the mountain? I know that you've been on the far end of the bench. The first top of the mountain now as a co-host. Uh, first time that you've been my co-host since college when we were on the radio together. Uh, I, I feel like this was a solid one. We got some some good stuff to build on. Hopefully we have some good games to talk about next week when we come back here for, uh, for week two. Yeah, it's definitely good to shake off some rust, you know. Haven't done anything podcast or audio related in a while. I've kind of stuck to writing. Just basically my gig over there on Belly Up Sports. If you want to look at anything, just go to Belly Up Sports and search up Rev Coca, and you'll be able to see my writings there. So it was good to shake off the rust and kind of go over to RMAC. And coming off the season last year where we had a lot of hype and a lot of good results, you know, it's it's a good time to be an RMAC fan. Let's see if we still if we have a season just as good this year as it was in 2021. But I'm excited for it. So am I. I think it's going to be a blast. And uh, hopefully next week we're not at each other's throats too much because I don't know if you realize, but the Bengals and Steelers play week one and that's uh, going into next week's episode. So we might have oh, to yeah, make some sort of ready for that one. Yeah. yeah, we might have to make some sort of friendly wager since the Bengals are coming off the season where they just swept the Steelers. No big deal. Um, <clears throat> it'll be fun. Uh, but man, if you want to follow it all you want, man. Yeah, uh, it's, it's <laughs> the first time in like six years. I needed to get yeah. one shot in. Uh, be sure you if you want to follow along with this show, follow at FEOTB pod, uh, check out the far end of the bench. If you want more of a general sports take with myself, Nico and Rev makes frequent guest appearances on that show as well. Follow the variety sports network at variety underscore sports underscore. You can always find this show, find my columns, all of the great D2 football content at D2football.com. Uh, proud presenting sponsor of this show uh, along with the variety sports network so for myself jimmy Pilato, my co-host rev coca thank you all for listening to week one of the 2022 top of the mountain season we will be back next week to talk more rmac football here on the top of the mountain podcast